0: However you're tuning in or wherever you are, it's my prayer that what you hear helps you to love God, His Word, His Spirit, His Church, and the people you interact with each and every day. Thanks again for listening, and may the grace of God fill your heart as you listen to the following message. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the worship ministry of David and Leah and and David uh, Sedgill. Lord, just thank you for the Souter and the Sedgill families. Bless them tonight. And Holy Spirit, now as we go into your word, we just continue in an attitude of worship. Lord, we want to learn about you. We want to hear what you're saying tonight, Lord, so instruct us in and through your word and help me as I communicate in the name of Jesus. Give us ears to hear what you would say tonight. Amen. Amen. Well, I have a very short title, as you can see, so I'm going to read, it's about a paragraph, I, sometimes I just try to go too much on those, but tonight we're going to call this Wars and Rumors of Wars, Russia, Ukraine, and Christian So It's a very long title, I apologize in advance for that, but I couldn't think of anything shorter. So Wars and Rumors of Wars, Russia, Ukraine, and Christian Responsibility." Uh, what I wanted to touch on tonight was what's, what's our responsibility on a basic level when we see war happening in the world, when we uh, you know turn on the news and people are dying and there's a dictator murdering people, like, oh, it's so painful. But how are we to respond? And so I wanted to just give a little bit of thought on that uh, and just want to touch on the introduction real quick here. But Jesus said something a number of times in his ministry. I think there was two or three different occasions where he would use this term to watch, to keep watch, or to watch and pray. He said that a number of times. And then right here in Mark 13, he says it three times. Three times he says, watch and pray. You don't know what the time is, and he's talking about the time of his return, And then later on he says, watch therefore you don't know when the master of the house is coming. It's this parable he's developing. And then there in verse 37, I think I I mistyped that. Verse 32 to verse 37. He says, I say to you, I say to all, watch. And so there's this idea of being watchful that is going to characterize the church more and more as we get closer to his second coming there's going to be this ability, this grace to kind of keep an eye on what's happening in the world, but in a prayerful attitude. Uh, and I'm going to develop this here as we go, but there's this there's this idea of being watchful, okay? So we, we don't just kind of put our head in the sand and just kind of go, whatever, the world's going to do what the world's going to do, we're just going to live for Jesus, there is a lot of that disconnect that, that is in the church and, and we're by no means to disconnect from what's happening out there with our personal relationship with Jesus or our little house of prayer or our church. We are to be aware of what's happening and we're to pay attention and we're to keep things in prayer. So when there's something that's happening that a, has a global impact, we, we want to keep an eye on those things. And we want to say, God, what do you think about that? And what's your perspective of what's happening? We don't want to just kind of go, oh, whatever, stuff's going to happen. And so as I begin the message tonight, talking about responsibility, I just wanted to first make a point that we, we, we cannot be responsible if we're not even paying attention to what's happening. So we got to kind of go, and I don't mean we buy a newspaper and re- read the news every day. You can do that. And, but, but mostly it's just being aware of what's happening, being informed so that we can pray. And so that's kind of the baseline. Watchfulness I have written in uh, letter B. Watchfulness will characterize the church more and more as we approach the end of this age we're not going to be more and more disconnected in a bunker 30 levels underground hiding we're going to be very connected to what's happening all around us locally nationally and internationally we're we're going to have an ability to pay attention and care and so as we do keep watch i mean we don't wait till like right before jesus comes back okay now we're going to pay attention for be serious no we do we do this now but I think, I think the, the spirit of this verse is that it's going to continue to become more and more of an issue where we as the church just understand our responsibility. We're going to pay attention to what's happening. We're going to target things in prayer, and we're going to see God intervene because evil people are going to try to do all sorts of things and, and maybe even succeed to a measure, but God's limited that success. But he wants to intervene through the prayers of the church through many different uh, sit, uh, prayers and uh, I mean there's many scenarios he wants to intervene in as we pray and so we start off just with this thought of being watchful now let's go down a little bit further on those notes there really the the heart of what I wanted to share is the three p's how do we How do we respond as Christians? How do we demonstrate responsibility for what's happening? And so just to to make it easy for us, I put it in three Ps because, you know, it's easy to remember, right? So we're going to talk about this idea of pity and then the idea of prayer. We talk a lot about prayer here. And then prophecy. These three, I think, are very fundamental, important thoughts. Because we're going to, again, we're going to look out into the world and we're going to see so much more evil happening and so much more good happening. It's going to kind of both grow to total fruition as we get closer and closer. And I don't know. I mean, the the Bible clearly says no one knows the day or the hour. So there's usually a guy out on YouTube that says, I know, it. it's 2027, March 15th at 1.30 in the afternoon. Like that, you don't know. I mean, so... And I've seen that really confuse people. I've been a Christian for 20 years. so I haven't been a Christian for 500 years. But I've seen so many times where somebody will say, I've got this special revelation. And then they put a video on YouTube. And because it's on YouTube, people believe it for some reason. And I just want to tell you, don't listen to these people who are... Putting out these crazy prophecies, and well, Nostradamus said, plus this guy said, so I put it together and made a video, and I'm authoritative. And I just want you to know I mean, some of you kind of know what I, I mean. There's so much stuff out there. Jesus really, oh, you no, know, I didn't tell anybody. He, he, Jesus actually says this the day and the hour, no one knows, not even the angels. The Son of God doesn't even know, only the Father. I don't even fully understand how that, because they're both God. But I think his point is, I would rather you be watchful and be an intercessor instead of trying to make up a date and put it on YouTube to try to trick everybody. That's totally the wrong response. He's just saying, I want you to pay attention. I want you to look at, oh, there's a war there. There's a conflict there. Be praying, be calling people to prayer. Doing deeds of mercy, sending finance, do those things. Don't don't try to do that the other weird thing. I've seen that a lot. And it and it really hurts Christians. I mean, I know people who are hurt because then the day passes, you know, they say it's at 130 on this day, and then the next day, then the next day, and it's like and then that guy disappears and no one ever holds him accountable, and then there was the, you know, my friend who's like, I thought it really was gonna be the thing and and I, we're like, well, we, it says no one know Anyway, so you guys get that. So we're to stay watchful. We're, we're to stay prayerful. But we don't make these prophetic guesses. That's like I'm getting too far out of myself. Let's go down to number two, the three P's. When we're, when we're watching the unfolding events of the world, and we see a war happen. So Russia invades Ukraine. There has been a war for about eight or nine days now. And now what's unique to this conflict is that there's Twitter and there's Facebook and there's smartphones and there's real-time footage that is just so devastating. So you're seeing in real time people dying. I mean, it used to be you'd read the paper and then the paper kind of reported on the last few weeks But now we're in a different day and age where there is so much information. And you can see, even on the way here, I'm getting updates from people in the parliament in Ukraine posting in real time going, this is what just happened an hour ago. All these people died because Russia sent a missile. And so we're able to process almost instantly and pray into things as they're happening. This never happened before. Uh, I mean, the Internet was invented, you know, 25, 30 years ago or whatever, became popularized, and then... So now we have social media, and this is maybe one of the first main international conflicts uh, that's really risen to that level of prominence where it's not only happening, but we're watching it with our phones. I mean, it's... it's you just got to think about it. It's really unusual. And then you put it together with Jesus said, watch and pray... We are able to watch in a way that no one in history has been able to watch. And we're able to we're able to see the death and destruction all over the world with literally watching video and we're able to be go, Oh, let that pain us and let us pray into that. So number one, our first fundamental response as the Church of Jesus, because remember Jesus the most loving man ever to live, most loving man alive. He's he's answering the altar call. <laughs> I always get one faithful altar call, um, Mama. Somebody, hey, um, just right on cue. Okay, Zeke, gotta stay back there, bud. I just love this boy. Thank you, Caleb. And, oh, I love this. I love this house. Thank you, buddy. This is a no-brainer, but every once in a while someone will hear this and they'll be kind of like, oh yeah. Number one, we as Christians are responsible to look out at the world and see death and destruction and feel bad and feel pity and feel like, oh, this is not right. This is injustice. And so... There is a growing, uh, I feel, a growing sentiment of partisanship that I think is infecting many Christians. So they look at something not as human beings, they look at it as a political position. And so there there are really believers right now that look at this Russia-Ukraine thing and they have hyper-opinionated feelings that keep them from actually caring. They feel no compassion. They just see it as a political scenario. And I want to check us tonight. I think the Holy Spirit wants to check us. We don't look at people dying, innocent people dying, and go, well, that's how the world goes. That's just politics playing out. No, we care. We choose to care. We choose to experience this sense of pity, and I'll explain that a little bit, We don't just kind of check out. We don't, and I've got a couple thoughts here because there's various sides of the spectrum. Some get so opinionated, they make it into, you know, they take it too far over here. And then some say, I'm I'm indifferent. I mean, it's not my country. It's, you know, Russia can do what they want. And so there's this, Battle between indifference completely, and then people are so opinionated they take the wrong conclusion because they get all emotional about something that's way off base. But there's this place in the heart of Jesus where he says, just simply care. First of all, just look at all these people dying. And, you know, there's war all over the world, there's conflicts everywhere. It's not just Ukraine, Russia. I understand that. But this one's kind of dominating the news right now, so I wanted to touch on it. But when we see children starving in Yemen, and when we see the persecution in Afghanistan, when we see the Russian invasion of Ukraine, and then literally shooting missiles into apartment buildings, and, you know, kids' bodies everywhere in the street, and there's video, you're just like, if you can't grieve over that, there's something very wrong. There's a malformation spiritually. We, we should be grieved deeply by these things. And I, I don't mean we cry all day, and I don't, I don't mean we quit our job and sit in the corner and mourn, even though it's warmer there. No. <laughs> but we, we just choose to care. That's At the fundamental level, that's what Christians do. We're the people who care. We're the people who we experience feelings when negative things are happening in the world. And I get it, there's different personalities, and we all respond different and all that, but, but we have a responsibility to really care, to genuinely care. Now, we don't just stop at the feeling, though. That feeling bad will turn into, if it's true biblical pity, it will turn into action of mercy it will turn into uh, maybe we pray a little more or maybe we send finances or maybe we go do a mercy uh, missions trip or something like that. But so, you know, number one, we, we do, we feel bad, but, but that Christian spirit of pity or mercy, they're pretty much synonymous, we we do something with that feeling. We, we pray, we sow finance, uh, maybe we... Call someone we know in that area and encourage them or we connect with a pastor there or you know there's but we do take action and so it's not just a feeling it's a feeling that produces something. you get what I'm saying now I understand we can't love every person in the world nobody can do that nobody can go oh I, I care so much about this and then you know at, at a basic level we recognize we're limited we're human. But it, we we take a posture of I care. If it's something evil in the world, I, I will at the very least I'll care and I'll pray. And so I think that that's the number one response. Again, there's going to be another war, and then there's going to be another war. And so, you know, we don't we recognize that this is something we're going to repeatedly do, but we set our heart uh, to just go, oh, Jesus, show me again what you think of these people. Show me again, you know how do you feel about both sides of this because it is complicated in some ways i mean there uh, we we don 't just take a purely nationalistic perspective and say, "Well, we love Ukraine and we hate russia we don 't do that as Christians, okay we hate evil, period, but we love people. Jesus loves people they're Russian soldiers they don 't want to be doing what they 're uh, what they 're uh, being ordered to do there there 's so much you know uh, complication in this and so we want to pray Lord encounter Ukrainians Lord encounter Russians Lord soften the hearts of uh, key decision makers Lord give wisdom to world leaders bring an end to this conflict Lord have mercy and honor we pray like that God do miracles God break in and cause missiles to disappear and tenderize the hearts of Russian generals and save Vladimir Putin and you know we just pray because we care that's what we got to start there I'm getting ahead of myself again. So to that point, let's go down. Let's look at number two, which is prayer. So number one, we have a responsibility to care. Number two, we have a responsibility as Christians to pray. If we're spiritually healthy, we're talking to God. And then says we're talking to God, he says, I care about that situation. I want you to talk to me about what's happening there because I care about those people. Maybe you've had a conversation like this with a friend, but, you know, many dinners we've had as a family, our kids will hear Mandy and I talking, and they'll you know, what's going on over there? And we'll we'll put it in kid terms. And we'll say, well, what are, you know, just pretend if, if someone just invaded our neighborhood and started bombing our houses, that's what's happening in, in Ukraine right now. Whoa, I wouldn't want that. And so, you know, kind of putting it in those terms, it just makes it more real, and so uh, that just is like, oh, if it's that real, man, that, I really want to pray against that. So we have this responsibility to pray. I love what Samuel Taylor Coleridge, this is in the seventeen, eighteen hundreds. he was a, a poet and theologian and philosopher. He, he said this best line ever. He says, He prayeth best who loveth best. He prayeth best who loveth best. And so if we care, if we love, out of that will just flow effective prayer. I I look at that and I go, if we love people, we will pray. We'll be effective intercessors. If, If at first we're seeing what's happening to our neighbor and we care, that will turn into intercession. Love that quote. I put here under number two, intercessory prayer. It's God's chosen means to bring about his intervention in, in circumstances and in world affairs. It's his chosen means. How does God intervene in the world today? People pray and he intervenes. That's just how it is. That's how he has set up the world and his kingdom. When he is seeking to get involved in a situation, he sets people praying, and then he gets involved. That's just Genesis to Revelation, how he moves. I love how Charles Spurgeon puts it. He says, whether we like it or not, asking is the rule of the kingdom." If you may have everything by asking in his name and nothing without asking, I beg you to see how absolutely vital prayer is. What a statement. Some of you know the name Reese Howells. Reese Howells, there's a book about him called Reese Howells' Intercessor. I meant to bring it and then I forgot. I always forget something. I remember my kids. That's like, okay, remember the kids, but then I forget everything else. But Reese Howell's Intercessor is a book I'm going through. A really neat uh, man of prayer, and he uh, he was alive uh, you know, in uh, ministry right around as World War II broke out. He was getting a Bible college going and missions, and there is a chapter about uh, a couple chapters uh, on his life where he talks about how the Spirit began to move on him and indicate I'm going to shift your focus into intercession for world affairs. It was four years before World War II. He felt the Lord tell him, I'm going to have you start praying, not just for your Bible college and things around here locally. I want you to begin to pray for the nations. And he says this, he says, the, the world, Reese Howells is leading up, the four years leading up to World War II, he says, the world became our parish and we were led to be responsible to intercede for countries and nations. I bring that up because sometimes we kind of think, "Well, I just kind of want the church I go to to be fun and have a little revival, and maybe our city gets rich and whatnot." But there is a real anointing to go. Wait, there's a whole world out there, and and if we want that, uh, you know, perspective, God's willing to to turn the whole world into kind of our parish and our church. So we we honor our church and we honor you know uh, the ministry I'm doing here and all that. And we, I believe in the citywide church, but there's this global reality that God says, I, I want you to pay attention to what here and here locally, but I want you to look at your nation. I want you to look around the world, and I'll put burdens on your heart for those too. And so Reese Howells even talks about the process of him kind of going, well, I'm just kind of like building my little ministry here, Lord. I just kind of want that to work. And the Lord says, no, I've got, you, I've got need of you. If you'll enter into it, start praying for this and that. And he became a very strategic leader for uh, the church in World War II. And they began to see crazy specific answers to prayer. I mean, they would say, they'd get intelligence from the army and they'd say, hey, this is happening. So they'd pray into that and there'd be victory over there. Just like in the Bible, David would go inquire of the Lord, is this going to work or not? And then it would work. And so this is real. I mean, if we intercede, we see things and we go, I need that to change, Lord, that's evil. He goes, I know, but I, I want you to pray, and then he'll move. So just keep those, in mind, keep those things in mind. Uh, I just wanted to, this is totally a random thought here. Anytime something happens, anytime something happens, especially now that we're in the social media age, a very predictable pattern emerges. This is the very bottom of first page and then it spills on to the second. Everybody begins, half of the world says thoughts and prayers and the other half of the world says do something else besides thoughts and prayers. Do something real that does something. I don't know if you've ever seen that on social media. So I just wanted to talk about that real, real quick. Whenever something catastrophic happens, you got some people saying thoughts and prayers to the family and then other people you know they'll post the picture of the big semi-trailer that's empty, and the person will say, "Here's your shipment of thoughts and prayers," and it's an empty trailer because they think it does nothing. But what I'd like to say it is kind of <laughs> kind of humorous, actually. But the funny thing is, is when a shipment of thoughts and prayers comes in, it does a lot. Um. What I've noticed, this is just personal experience, what I've noticed, people who really pray are the people who do the most action. This is real. I've noticed this personally, that that I've seen people with my eyes in these prayer meetings who will pray for people, maybe a, a part of the world, for a season or a specific people group. They pray and they pray and they pray, and all of a sudden, God calls them to that very location. Or they pray and they pray and they pray, and so they start a ministry or a business to serve a specific need. They pray and they pray, and so it's very rare for people who care enough to pray to just not do anything. It's just something that I, I don't even think it's real, but people, see, here's the irony. The people who are critical of the prayer crowd are ironically the ones who are least active. But the people, like Christians, like us, when we look at a situation and we send our condolences and we pray and we do all of those things, many times more happens than just prayer. And so I don't want you to be discouraged when you're on Facebook. Say, hey, praying for you. And then someone underneath says, well, that doesn't do anything. Why don't you go do something? That is totally not accurate. And so I put a few uh, little bullets under... uh, you know, I have the question there, does prayer work? What does it really do? I put a couple of thoughts there, but it, it certainly does a lot. Prayer by itself is actually work, and it does many good things. God gets intervened. But I, I've just noticed out of personal experience, there's so much more that happens when we pray. So if you can set people praying, and this is just personal experience, when you pray for people, your heart gets knit to them. So if we pray for Ukraine, pray for Ukraine, pray for Ukraine, we begin to love the people of Ukraine more, and when you love people even from a distance, what are you motivated to do more you 're motivated to give you 're motivated to you know check in on people, and oh, so that ministry is connected, so okay, I can get connected there, and you know then they can send resource or there's so many things that happen, and so you know don't there's always someone that 's out there ah yeah that doesn 't do anything why don 't you go move there and help the people. And, and so just, I wanted to throw that out there. Prayer knits our hearts to people. It motivates, uh, it motivates us to take concrete, meaningful, wise actions. Um, when we pray for people, we not only take action, but we actually hear from the Lord to do what's wisest, what's best. And so we don't just react. We get revelation to help people. And so sometimes we do wait a little bit. And we act in the best timing. And so prayer just connects so many dots. Uh, when we pray, it inspires other believers to take meaningful, concrete, wise actions. Prayer helps us to interpret world events the right way in a biblical way. Jesus, right after he said there's going to be wars and rumors of wars, he said, but don't be troubled. The end is not yet. And so many people will see this conflict and be so troubled they won't they don't even know there's more there's more more is going to happen. Jesus prophesied war is inevitable. It's going to happen in a fallen world with evil dictators and people addicted to power. It's going to happen. And yet Jesus wants us loving people praying for his intervention not being troubled through all of it. Tell him I said hello. <laughs> I just had to be silly for a minute there. One of the benefits of prayer, I tagged on there to number five because I was, I was out of room on my notes, honestly. When we pray, it helps us to stay on God's side versus a political side. Ultimately, we want God's side. Whose side is God on? I just want to be on God's side. You know, Jesus really loves people. It says in John three sixteen, He so loved the world that He gave His own Son. I mean, it's unthinkable. God gave His own Son, God, for the world because He just so loves people. He loves Ukraine. He loves Russia. He hates evil. He wants to break in with miracles. And so we as a church have a responsibility to pray. And here's the good news. A gathering like like our gathering, we think, well, we're not like a 10,000-seat church and, you know, there's not this or that. Like, our prayers he'll move. I mean, that's two or three, he's there. If we pray, I mean, it's, he's not waiting for people better than us. Where are the people? If we pray, he'll move. Sometimes we think, well, we don't have the big this, and we don't have all the money, and, you know, it's not, he's not waiting for us to feel anointed or be amazing or whatever. Sometimes we think that because when you do prayer meetings, like every day, you know, we've done prayer meetings so many times, it's weak, but he uses the weak things to to shame the wise. And he uses the, the things that we think ah, is that really doing anything? Oh, I'm breaking in. I'm I'm moving powerfully. And we're already hearing Mandy and the kids are telling me they heard from something that you know Ukrainian soldiers are saying, I don't know, some missiles are just missing us sometimes and bullets are disappearing and there's miracles happening. And so we can we know that stuff's happening. We're just going to keep praying. Uh, one, uh, one other thing I want to touch on briefly. I don't want to totally develop this. I've been going for a while here. You're fine. Oh, okay. In that case, buckle up. We're going to just <laughs> we're going to bring this to midnight. Just needed someone to affirm me. Now we'll just keep going. Renee, is that okay? We'll just keep going with this. Okay. All right. So we want to, number one, there's the pity. Number two, there's the prayer. Those are basic responsibilities. But also we have a responsibility to rightly interpret prophecy. That might seem odd. And and what I mean by this, this is important because you'll hear more. I mean, the more crazy stuff that's going to happen in the world, because it will, there's going to be more crazy interpretations of it, and there's going to be more people kind of just doing weird stuff, and I can't even imagine. I mean, for 20 years, I've seen the weirdest stuff out there. I mean, just like the Bible clearly says we don't know the day or the hour, but there's people out there saying, I know the day or the hour. And so we're going to see all sorts of false information and deceptive things, but Jesus is really going to do a great job of keeping us focused on Him. But we do have to realize there's going to be error in things, and where I see people get off track a lot is they just they come to weird conclusions about the Bible and God because of what they've heard related to Bible prophecy. Unfortunately, Bible prophecy is really mishandled a lot. There's not a lot of awesome Bible prophecy teachers out there. I mean, There's just so... I mean, guys, just go to Google and type Bible prophecy. You get 5 billion videos on you. I mean, there's so many things out there. I don't want us to be discouraged. I want us to be students of the Bible and students of biblical prophecy, and it can be understood. It just takes some effort. But there are... I, I just kind of... My main caution tonight is what I call... Fatalism, or theological fatalism, or prophetic fatalism—it's where, well, I read the Bible and I read that one verse, and there's wars and rumors of wars, and so I guess there's just going to be war. Okay, and that they, they like stop there, and then they come to conclude, well, God must just—he just must want war then, and so if we don't—if we don't interpret. Statements with the heart of God or with the rest of Scripture, we end up kind of going, well, uh, you know, there's just going to be war and so that'll just be. And there's this indifference. There's sort of like this cool theological indifference like, oh, yeah, Jesus said there's going to be war and so there it is. There's a war. He prophesied it. And Jesus goes, don't go there. What I want you to do is I want you to know, I told you in advance, there will be wars. There was going to be rumors of wars. But I want you participating with me. I want you talking to me about what's happening. I don't want you indifferent. I don't want you coming to crazy conclusions. I want you engaged because I'll use you. If I'll use people to pray. I'll use missionaries to go into those places to see lost souls saved. all use people and release miracles in, in the context of war. But if you just check out and use a Bible verse to kind of excuse any responsibility, you won't be used. And so there is this spirit just kind of hanging out there where you kind of talk to people and they'll kind of just have this vibe like, yeah, that's what the Bible says. And there's absolutely no desire to care or do anything. It's totally the wrong idea. The right idea is we look at that verse and go, Jesus told us in advance because he wants us to participate. He wants us to be enthusiastic in being a part of the solution. So just because Jesus said there'll be wars and rumors of war, it doesn't mean he doesn't want to move in power in the midst of war and rumors of war. And so there's all these wrong conclusions. Uh, if if we don't uh, take the time to understand what he really means, and so that's that's kind of what I'm getting at, we have a responsibility to not look at it as okay, the destruction of the world's inevitable. Let's go buy our bunker, thirty stories underground, get a bunch of food, and hide till Jesus comes back absolutely wrong interpretation of the Bible. The right interpretation of the Bible is we are going to be right there with Jesus. We're going to be interceding. We're going to be calling down miracles. We're going to be watching and praying, paying attention to what's happening so that we can partner with other ministries and be on the front lines of seeing God move in these places. And so just throwing that out there, I think it's worthwhile to mention this because it's like a growing, almost like lull, that it's like, you know, Jesus didn't put Bible prophecy in the Bible so that we could debate each other because we're so bored. It's like, well, you know, there's that one verse. Well, yeah, what about that? verse? Oh, meanwhile, there's a real war happening and there's persecution all over the world, and I don't think Jesus put Bible prophecy in there so that we could debate each other I think he put it in there so that we would have insight to pray to give to love our neighbor uh, to you know be missionaries to start businesses after wars to rebuild and, and on and on and on and on and so make sure as you're studying the word you're coming to this conclusion that God wants you to be participating God wants you to be Uh, involved and and have a sense of responsibility amen to that the most practical way we fight against this apathy sometimes we just got to recognize it like oh I don't even really care like um, you know some people and this sometimes just happens we don't even mean to it's like the whole idea of abortion sometimes it's just so talked about so much and it's so politicized that we forget how evil it is and so we, we can't sometimes, oh, Lord, pain my heart. Tell me again how much you hate that that babies are murdered every day, not only in our country, but around the world. Like, don't let me become apathetic to this thing. Help me to be an intercessor. And so sometimes we just need to fight against that apathy, recognize it, and begin to pray just simple things like, Lord, give me your heart for this issue. I want to see what you see, I want to feel what you feel. We can pray, Lord, open the word. Show me in the Bible where you care about, you know, this. And there's so many Bible verses about war, there's so many Bible verses about how He loves people. And so just sometimes we need to just, you know, during our devotional time, just Lord talk to me and so I can get fresh eyes on, on such and such a situation. Again, we can't, you know, care about everything at the deepest level that God does but let's care. Let's pray. Let's refuse to get off on the periphery and weird prophecy interpretations. And let's just make sure that we're uh, staying in a place where we're involved, we're participating. There's a lot of these theological armchair quarterback kind of, you know, it's like, it's so easy to just be like, well, I would have thrown it there. You know, it's like, we do that a lot as Bears fans. I would have thrown it to that guy. It's like if we were actually the quarterback in the real game, we'd be sacked so hard we'd be dead, and you know that would be it. so. But in theology, it's the same way. It's like, well, if I was that, you know, and, and so we just need to uh, let the spirit talk to us. Let the spirit uh, move our heart in the right direction and avoid getting into these pitfalls of apathy or being too opinionated so that we don't get involved. Amen. I'm going to land the plane right there. I think I've gone a little bit lengthy, but uh, that was my burden that I felt the Lord wanted me to share tonight. Let me just pray into that for us and then I think we'll just we'll get together real briefly and we'll just we'll pray for one another and we'll pray for what's going on in the world. But Heavenly Father, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You for uh, how You call us as the church to be those uh, those in all the earth that, that love our neighbor and that care and express compassion and deeds of mercy. And I just pray that You'd touch my heart, Lord. Help me to care. Help me to have compassion. Help all of us, Lord, to be those who have uh, the experience of biblical pity where we uh, look at situations with loving... Concern. Help us, Lord, to be prayerful and, Lord, help us to be those who look at your word rightly, to rightly divide the truth, to come to healthy conclusions about our responsibility and to avoid that trap of apathy, Lord. We want to be those that are used by God. Uh, It could be boots on the ground, it could be finances, it could be prayer. However you tell us to be involved, Lord, help us to do that. And uh, I just pray for much grace over everyone here tonight and over all those who've listened on on the Facebook Live and on the recording. Bless them, bless their heart, encourage their heart in the name of Jesus. Amen. For more messages like this one, please visit our online teaching library at gphop.org slash teachings. If you found this free material helpful in your walk with God, please prayerfully consider a generous donation. To give, please visit gphop.org slash donate. That's gphop.org slash donate. Thank you and may the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ richly bless you today.